I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the bread of life, the bread of God, bright and morning star, the Lamb of God, a great high priest, the head of the church, the true vine. I, I greet you in the name of Jesus. At the, uh, uh, just a quick celebration that Margaret Clayburn here has had a miracle. She's been looking for a job and she got a job starting on Tuesday. Uh, she's no longer 39 and it was a real miracle of grace that she got this super job. Starts on Tuesday. Uh, at the pre-service prayer meeting, uh, when I'm preaching, I, I listen to those words of connection and encouragement. And uh, I, th I think uh, three times this morning the word reality appeared in the prayers. And my uh, subject this morning is the quest for reality. And there was another, another word which helped me was the word mystery. And we're going to look at the mystery of God. Uh, but we need to be aware too that in the created universe in which we live, that is also a mystery when we start glimpsing the wonders of the quantum world. So uh, the, the, the first story this morning is uh, God. These children, they ask, is he really there? <laughs> The name of God is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there, God Emmanuel, God with us. And the last four words of John 17 are, And I in them. Where is God? God is in you. Uh, a quick word of revision. The Thessalonian people received the apostolic word as the word of God and not as the word of man. But the people of Berea got more marks than the people of Thessalonians. Why? The Thessalonians received the apostolic word as the word of God. But the Berean people got more marks. They did better. Why? They checked the scriptures. They wanted to see whether what this man spoke was biblical. In the Bible they were talking about the Old Testament. To the word and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, there's no light in them. So we're going to start in Genesis uh, chapter 1. And in the beginning, God created man in his own image. So we carry the image of God. God, the invisible spirit. What is that image? 
Male and female, he created them. So this image of God is composite. And this invisible God, we're told in Genesis, appeared, manifested to Abraham. Abraham was snoozing in the middle of the day. It says he lifted up his eyes. And behold, He saw God. It says the Lord appeared to Abraham. and He saw three men. And as you go through Genesis, you find that Abraham worshipped the Lord as one. My Lord. Then he got them three meals. And then it was my Lord. And as we explore the mystery of the reality of who we are, Let's understand a little bit, as far as we can, the mystery of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. There is one God, but the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. And the Spirit is not God. They are distinct in our quest for reality we discover that we made in the image of God are made spirit soul and body one but distinct And so the Lord speaks to us through Isaiah and I connect with this one. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. I do understand that, Lord. You don't think like I think and your ways are not my ways. Can we understand that? Because I discover in our chatting together, we try and box God's mindset into ours. We try to reduce him into something that's cognitive and intelligent to this Pathetic little thing. As we shall see, he doesn't think like we think. And if I've told him many times, if I was God, I would do it differently. He says, I'm glad you understand that. Not my thoughts and not my ways. You know what they sing in hell? I told you this last time. The chorus in hell. Well done, well done, Alex. He's, gosh, he listens this year. I did it my way. My ways are not your thoughts. Mine, right. And so we're on a quest for reality. And it's a continual journey of discovery. Jane and I just happened to watch on SABC2 of all places, a film the other day called Einstein and Eddington. Einstein had this theory of relativity. And if he was right, it would mean that Isaac Newton had not quite got it right, only 99%. 
and that mercury was not where Isaac Newton said it was. And Einstein came up and said, Isaac Newton's wrong, Mercury's not in the right place. And he had his theory of relativity. And Arthur Eddington was the Englishman at Cambridge University who was a top physicist who measured scientific theory. He's considered to be one of the great physicists, Arthur Eddington. Now what this film showed at the end is that Arthur Eddington proved that Einstein was right. He went out to West Africa and took a photograph of the eclipse of the sun and he proved that Einstein was right and Isaac Newton was wrong, just in this little thing. But it changed science. And it said at the end, Einstein became world famous and very few people even know about Arthur Eddington. It says this, Arthur Eddington spent the rest of his life in obscurity battling to reconcile his faith with his scientific knowledge. And was troubled and forgotten. And I believe if Eddington had understood what we're exploring this morning, he would need not to have been troubled. Because the world of the spirit and the world of the soul are different worlds and yet united in one mystery. So let's explore some of the strange things that we're expected to believe if we believe the word of God. For starters, we who are born of the Spirit have already died. We've already passed over from death to life. That's why we've got funeral plans. God says, I've died. I think I'm still trapped in this mortal straitjacket. Jesus says, I will never die. The doctor says, you're on the path downwards. So God's view is that I've died. My view is that I haven't. I am yet to. I've got a deal with a chap in Umgany Road. I hope he doesn't miss. And then we go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. We hear, we've already gone to heaven. We've been raised up and we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and we look down on the earth. That's what God believes. I believe that God believes that. But I also believe in actual fact. God's been smoking something. Because I think I'm here. And I think you're here. In a mortal body. In a geographical place on planet Earth. So there's a distinction between God's view of where I am 
and my view of where I am. And they're both real. I like the next one. I mean, God believes it. <laughs> Glad he doesn't know. Anyhow, it says this. It's uh, John 15.3. John 15.3 is, it says, You are already clean. You are already clean. Part of the garbage you were watching on the telly last night. You're already clean. God thinks I'm already clean. <laughs> no, he doesn't know what's under the lid. <laughs> You're already clean. God believes I'm clean. I'm as holy as Jesus in his sight. My conscience doesn't agree with that. Colossians 2 and 10. Can we go back once? One more. Just reverse on that one. You're already clean. They've got reverse on it. Reversing is very dangerous. Right. How many of you reversed into something? <laughs> The reason we are clean, because God has spoken his word. We are washed by the water of the word. When we believe in the word of God, in the eyes of God, we're cleansed. We're cleansed inside and out. We're cleansed through the word. And if we're saturated in the word, that's what Moss is on about in his thought for the day. Saturated in this cleansing word. And so the next one says we're complete. Complete, mature, full, perfect. Not will be, but are. This is God's view. It's God's worldview. It's God's view of me now. And you, I can understand me, but you lot, good heaven, try to tell me another one. Complete. Perfect. Fulfilled. That's God's view. To be quite honest with you, I could say he's barking. <laughs> it's not real to me. These words are not real to me. But I do believe they're real to God. So I'm now in a twix between two to live in the reality which is my reality, and it's a real reality. I'm not clean, I haven't died, and I'm not complete. <laughs> in order to get out of that chair in the prayer meeting, I had to get David to lift me out. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5:17. Tell me another one. I've had this one preach at me. All things have become new. All things have passed away. Yes, hallelujah. 
It's not true. Old things are still there. Mary Ellen still drives me up the wall. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. There's a lot of things in me which are not new. But God believes this stuff. God believes his own word. His thoughts are not my thoughts. But it's how he relates to me. God relates to me on the basis of his word. He relates to me on his, the way he connects with me through Jesus. In my spirit but not in my soul because they are different but one. So all of you who are trotting around with your guilt complexes, you're not worthy enough, of course that's true, but connect to God on his basis, not yours. You'll find you're clean, you're perfect and holy. No condemnation. And now to cap it all. <laughs> I mean, Lord. <laughs> whoever is, 1 John 5, whoever is born of God does not sin. <laughs> the quest for reality. God believes this. I don't want to disabuse him. One John five eighteen, the other part of it. The wicked one does not touch him. The prince of this world, this world lies in the hand of the wicked one. The wicked one cannot touch those who are seated in heavenly places, born of God, beyond the reach of the sinful nature. So those of you who are jumping because the demon slams the door, the wicked one cannot touch you. The wicked one cannot touch you. God doesn't believe the wicked one can touch us. What do you believe? The question is, do we believe God? Or do we believe the reality of our own perceptions, our own experience, our own emotions, our own calculations? What are we going to believe? You see, the mystery is, beloved, they're both real. Our perception of ourselves as those with sin on our lives is real. We know jolly well this mortal body has got to come to an end. We know jolly well we're seated here as well as being seated in heavenly places in God's view. What we're coming to terms with, beloved, is that God has a view of us which is very different from our own view, and both are real. So what we have seen in terms of God's view of us as he relates to us in Jesus, and that is the only way he relates to us, 
does not describe a state of our souls. We are in a state of being renewed. We are in a state whereby a process is at work to connect the state of our soul with the state of our spirit. It's called transformation. It's a process. What he has begun, he will perfect. We are on a journey from glory to glory. We belong to that club. Please be patient with me. God has not finished with me yet. He's got one hang out lot of work to do. And not just me. Look in the mirror. So the key to closing the gap, the how-to of the quest to connect the reality of our state of our souls, our souls are also triune, mind, emotion, and will, intellectual, emotional, volitional, I think, I feel, I decide, a triune mystery as well. It's in a process of being renewed day by day. The arena of that process is the word of God and the congregation of the church. Prayers and worship. 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, we are God's building, we are God's agriculture. There's a building site across there, it's very messy. And that's what Mary Ellen has been emphasizing to us in the ministry team. The church is messy. The church is a mess. Because it's a building site. And I was brought up on a farm in England, let me tell you, that's muddy. We are God's building, we are God's agriculture. He's the builder and he's the farmer. And he's at work in us. God is in you to will and to do of his own good pleasure. We are his workmanship. And he is at work closing the gap between the state of our soul and the state of our spirit, which is already perfect. And I believe if Arthur Eddington had understood this distinction in trying to reconcile these scientists are trying to a grand unified theory, they're trying to get all these forces together. If he had been able to realize the state of the soul is yet imperfect, it's on a journey. And the word of God yet stands that God relates to us in the finished work of Jesus. He wouldn't have had to spend his life in the torment of confusion between his science and his faith. So we've got some work to do. It says so in Philippians 2. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Get to work. Wait a minute. Finish the sentence. For it is God who is in you. To will and to do. It is God in you to make the decisions and to carry them out. We've got this performance-orientated obsession. It's all up to me. I must do something. See, in the world, that's correct. In the world, the world operates on the basis of performance. 
but there's something that's working in the realm of the spirit, which has got nothing to do with our performance and everything to do with his performance. God is at work. And he's turning us into works of art which will reflect his glory forever. Chip, 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 chip. Quite uncomfortable at the moment. So we're told, when he has finished, we shall be like him. We shall be back to his image in body, soul, and spirit. You want to see me in my resurrection body? <laughs> Meanwhile, the world lies in the hand of the wicked one. The devil writes the headlines. His time is running out. His license is coming to an end. And he's getting frantic. And the world situation is going to get even worse than it is now. Because this is the purpose of God, as he clearly stated in Revelation 22, let the filthy be filthy still, and let the righteous be righteous still, and let there be no gray areas in between. And the world's in darkness. The scripture says, it is midnight, but the stars are shining. Who are these stars? It's us. We are light reflectors. We are reflecting the light of God. The moon is a better metaphor for the church, waxing and waning and reflecting the light of the sun. It's why things do go wrong in the church. If you knew what Ellen and I knew, you'd go and join the Moonies. And so Paul prays, I pray that your spirit, your soul, and your body, don't despise the body. It's God's body. It's a temple of God. We've got to tend it. We've got to keep it under discipline. I'm looking forward to my funeral. It's going to be here. There's going to be a party. There's going to be wine and dancing and trumpets. My, my coffee and my old clothes are going to be there. Bottle of wine. Anyhow, I'm, I won't tell you what I'm going to say. <laughs> and, uh, the, the whole purpose of the funeral is to shock everyone who comes. <laughs> and I will not fail. <laughs> all right? I preserve, pray for your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. And then there's that wonderful promise. You know, we've got all these promises of God. I believe the call in our lives is to simply... Trust in the promises of God. I hold the Lord to his promises. I make no more promises to God. I've made many promises to God. They never got past Tuesday. 
I now hold God to his promises. And the word of God says this. God is faithful who called you. Called you. He called you. If I was God, I would not have called you, but he called you. He called you. And then it says, who also will do it. He will perfect what he has begun. Chip, 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 chip. Clay in the master's hand. So how do we connect with this process? What is the work of God? The disciples asked Jesus, what is the work of God? If you know the answer, keep quiet. If you don't know the answer, tell me. What is the work of God? What is in John chapter 6? They said, Lord, what is the work of God? Yeah, Jane, keep quiet. You hear that? I just want to practice that again. Jane, keep quiet. We have some authority around here. Jane, keep quiet. Let's practice that more. What's the work of God? This is the work of God that, not Jane, anyone else? What? Barry? What? The work of God, John 16, open the Bible, it'll blow your mind away. The work of God is that you believe. That's the work of God, is to believe. Am I dribbling or what? <laughs> and so one you haven't got on your list uh, at NASA Control, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Paul said, I strove more than you all. Because of this, I strove. More than you all. I worked harder than all of you. Yet not I. 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 Three most important words of scripture. Yet not I. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. But Christ is in me. But the grace of God was with me. We are energized by the grace of God. It's the grace of God that drives us. It's the grace of God that drives Joe and his team into the valley. It's the grace of God that ministers to the orphans and cares for the widow and the poor. It's the grace of God that brings us to prayer. It's the grace of God that gathers us and disperses us in his purposes as he continues to chip, 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 chip and fashion us into his glory, spirit, soul, and body. Now, if a miracle has taken place, the home group that forgot that it was on duty will be actually putting the urn on. Pennies dropping. 
We may have a time of fasting, I don't know. Bless you all. Anyhow, see you next week. Amen. <laughs>